0: The Internet's most listened to talk radio network, voiceamerica.com,
1: with Joyce Bender and Disability Matters.
0: Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender.
2: And welcome to our show And, you know, I do this on almost every show, but I, I I just have to thank all of you for your tremendous support. I want to also thank the various organizations that really have been working so hard to promote this show, because at the end of the day, we're all we've got. You know, we've all have to work together. We have one cause. All have to work together and you are helping by your dedication and by your support of the show. So I say thank you. And speaking of someone who has given their life to helping people with disabilities, it is truly for me an honor to have a national leader for people with disabilities on the show today. And when I say national, I mean so well known for all of his work helping Americans with disabilities. Mr. Jim Dixon, welcome to the show.
3: Hello, Joyce. It's a pleasure to be on.
2: And Mr. Dixon, Jim Dixon, is the Vice President for Government Affairs, currently for the American Association of People with Disabilities, but his entire life, as you will hear on the show today, has been as an advocate helping Americans with disabilities. And Jim... You know, there are many people with disabilities, uh, but not all have decided to become an advocate and have accomplished so much as you have in your life. A question I have for you personally is, what made you decide to live a life of service and advocacy as you have?
3: Joyce, like most people, I did the right thing for the wrong reasons. I uh, was right out of college I'd been blind <clears throat> since I was seven and grew up with social workers. A uh, friend of mine was working for an, an inner city effort of the Catholic Church, and I went down for an interview with the priest, and he said that he didn't like to hire young college kids because... And college kids tried to mediate things for people who were getting services, and he wanted somebody who was going to (laughs) agitate people who were getting services so they would give social workers a hard time. And I told him about five years later, the way I felt about social workers at the time, I'd have done the job for free.
2: Well, you know what? It doesn't surprise me because you are a fireball, to say the least. Um, and you know why I asked you that, Jim, is that I always wonder. There are so many people with disabilities, but, of course, many of them, you know, don't realize sometimes some of the issues going on today that impact them, uh, which we'll be talking about later today. But it's always interesting to me, on what makes some people do this with their life, such as you. Who influenced you, in your opinion, to become an advocate? And who would you say has been your role model?
3: Um, Well, I've been blessed with a couple of role models through my career. I actually think of myself more as an organizer or teacher than an advocate. Uh, To simplify, an advocate advocates for somebody or something and an organizer teaches people how to do it for themselves. Um, hmm. uh, a professional Alinsky-trained organizer named Stan Holt, who I'm still in touch with, came to town. This was Providence. And he agreed to, uh, to train me. And I'll tell a short story about what, what getting people to do it themselves, teaching people how to engage in public life effectively means. I've been organizing with others for about 18 months and <clears throat> we decided that we found a little line in, in the federal Title I school program that said uh, poor children, children of uh, women who are on welfare, most of whom are disabled, were entitled to a free, complete back-to-school wardrobe. So we decided why not here in Providence, and we, we got groups together from around the state and people agreed, we'll fight for Providence, we'll concentrate our strength, and then after we fight for Providence, we'll go to, to the other cities in the state. We, uh, we had three months of meetings, press conferences, demonstrations. One, the schools closed for every kid in Providence, and I went away on vacation. Because I was exhausted. In fact, the leadership team told me, "Jim, we'll change the lock to the office if you don't go get a rest." <laughs> um, it was the middle middle of my vacation when the phone rang, and it was the, the chairwoman, Joanne Keefe, of the leadership team, who said, "I'm sorry to call you. We promise, you know, we didn't want to do it, but we all thought that we I should tell you." Last night we were invited to the governor's house and he told us he'd found enough money so that every kid in the sc- every poor kid in the state was going to get back to school close. Wow. And I wasn't even there for the meeting, which is so great about it. People did it themselves.
2: Yeah, so what you're meaning is Your goal is not just to be the one speaking, but to get other people to speak.
3: Other people to speak, teach people everything I know, teach people how to lead and how to develop a following.
2: Well, that is awesome. And you're still in touch with this person who you said is your role model?
3: Yep, yep. He's semi-retired, but he and I are organizing a Retirement dinner for the priest who gave us both jobs way back when.
2: Well, then my hat's off to him for what he did in inspiring you, Jim. Because, Mm -hmm. yes, it's true, you are an organizer, uh, but I'll tell you what, your heart burns with passion. There's no doubt about that. uh, Because every day when I talk to Jim, believe me, every day it's on his mind of what he can do to help Americans with disabilities in certain areas, such as voting, which we'll be talking about uh, later on, to provide equality for all Americans. But first, uh, Jim, we have a question for you here from a Miriam in Kansas, and it reads, uh, Mr. Dixon, I want to thank you for all you have done. I feel you have been a great inspiration for many young children who have felt left out because of their disabilities, such as blindness, and I praise you for what you are doing to try to help people with disabilities in the area of voting. My question to you is that I sense that over the past several years, I don't know that I see that same excitement and burning fervor as there was before in our leadership in the disability community. What is your opinion of that?
3: Thanks, Miriam. Um, I think that nothing helps keep the fire burning like winning. And I think a lot of people are kind of down at the heels because for the first time we've been seeing cuts in services for people with disabilities. I know that there are lots of national leaders and lots of great leaders right there in Kansas who have been working very hard to um, add to our bag of tricks the ability to turn out voters and get the credit for it. Mike Donnelly has been doing a terrific job at the... Uh, what's formerly the Protection and Advocacy Organization in Kansas, and I've, their new name is Disability Rights Law Center, I think. We have to draw on each other's strength, but most of all, we have to work together and use the power we have as voters, well, yeah,
2: there's one way, obviously, whenever people say, how can we make a change, one way is by being registered to vote and then voting. So, Jim, I do have a question for you, and if we have to go to break, we will finish this when we come back. But I mentioned you have done so much in your life already. In 1987, you, Jim, sailed a boat alone from Rhode Island to Bermuda. What made you do that, Jim?
3: I loved to sail. Um, it was like a a vacation. And I thought it would be a great way to sort of stimulate a discussion about what what people can do with disabilities and can't do. It was a way to challenge, in a very dramatic way, the assumptions that people have and William F Buckley wound up writing a column criticizing me and I got to debate him on nightline
2: oh you know really tell us about that
3: well it was a little bit of a setup job um, I've been trying to to reach Buckley he's a big sailor because I thought it'd be great maybe he'd give me some money for the trip never got through I got a lot of press starting with local press and building up and uh, <clears throat> the day I left Buckley wrote a column The Blind Man in the Sea he called it where he essentially argued that failing was a visual experience and um, since I couldn't see I had to miss the essence of the experience and um, I thought it was great news because I went from being news on the sports page or the back pages to being front page news. Um, I had given an exclusive interview to Good Morning America for when I arrived. And they asked me live, what do you want to do tonight to celebrate being in Bermuda and I said uh, I want to debate William F. Buckley on Nightline tonight can you arrange it kind of shocked Charles and Katie but they laughed Mm -hmm. and said well given what you just did it might happen it's always better to beg forgiveness than ask permission
2: (laughs) you know what that is amazing so then what happened how did that go with him
3: Um, They did it. Um, We we discussed it for about, you know, for the full half hour. He really didn't want to do it, and I think I made him look very awkward.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, we'll talk more to Jim and more about that because I have to make a comment about all of this when we come back. But if you've just joined us, I'm talking to my guest. Jim Dixon, the Vice President for Government Affairs for the American Association of People with Disabilities and a real organizer for all of us. You're listening to Joyce Bender on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com, and we'll be right back.
1: The Authority and in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
0: and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom, and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com.
4: I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are 2.5 million Americans with the condition, If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com.
0: This week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo, our guest is Jamie Bamber. You'll know him from Battlestar Galactica. He plays Leodama. Dama. We talk about Battlestar Galactica and get a look inside of Jamie's life. Of course, we'll cover all the sci-fi news for the week as usual. That's Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo.
1: Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com
0: If you have a question or comment, call in
1: toll-free at
0: 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Spender.
2: And welcome back to the show. And we're talking to Jim Dixon, the Vice President for Government Affairs for the American Association of People with Disabilities. And right before we went to break, I was talking to Jim about the time in 1987 that he, a uh, person who was blind, sailed a boat alone from Rhode Island to Bermuda. And I'll tell you what, Jim, I, I knew that would be the reason when you said showing you know, what people could do independently. Um, and, and to me, that just is so important, and that says it all, because still to this day, still, people have these attitudinal barriers about people with disabilities. Even when I've introduced people to some of my managers who are people who are blind, for example, they'll say, well, they won't be able to do this one thing with you because how would they travel?
3: I have a great story. Um, I was getting on a bus, To, I I had been away from the boat for a couple of days. I had some things I had to clear up. And I was getting on a Greyhound bus to um, get down to Newport, Rhode Island, and get on the boat and sail alone. And this woman standing on the bus stop said, Would you look at that? He can ride the bus by himself.
2: Oh, my goodness.
3: (laughs) And I, I wanted to turn and say, Lady, you ain't seen nothing yet.
2: Unbelievable. I I, I just let it go. And and isn't that, though, that's what I'm talking about. That's why I think that story, you know, is so important. And, again, not surprising to me, but, um, you know, that is the attitude. That's why on this radio show the song I chose is New Attitude, because that's what we need in this country is a new attitude. And
3: it's important, Joyce, for those of us with disabilities to have a new attitude. People take you or me at the value we put on ourselves. It's you know if we project, oh, you're going to say no to me, makes it easier for people to say no. If we project, you're going to say yes to me, they're more likely to say yes. Particularly in in public life, particularly in working to change the system which brutalizes people with disabilities, you've got to assume and project that they're going to do the right thing. And if they don't, you're going to be very blunt and tell them that you know what they're doing is paternalistic.
2: Oh, I love that. Thank you. People take you me, based on the value we place on ourselves. That is so true. That is why you have to raise the bar, even when others lower the bar. That's what we in the disability community have to do. I agree with you 100%. And I think you did that, Jim, as the director of the FDR wheelchair campaign. You, you As far as I'm concerned, you did a wonderful thing for this Country. I guess this is another one of those organizer examples you're talking about. Um, but would you mind telling our listeners about this wonderful campaign and what it means
3: to this country? Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Symbols matter. We tend to, to like to believe that people are moved by ideas, and that's true. But people really get excited about symbols. People get excited about the flag, you know, the stars and stripes. Um, there are lots of symbols. There are symbols used in every religion, um, you know. So, when the memorial to F for F Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was president of the United States during the Depression and World War II, was being developed. They decided to hide FDR's disability. He was in a wheelchair. He could not walk. He got polio, could not walk. He spent five years, as he said, trying to move your, my big toe. And when you spend five years not being able to move your big toe, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, there was a gentleman's agreement that FDR would never be shown in a wheelchair. There was you always talk about I always talk about him being with this jaunty head looking back. Well, the reason his head was looking up was because he was sitting in a wheelchair. Um, they, the commission this was paid for with public money, did a number of things that actually made the organizing easier. In in, in organizing, the action is in the reaction. The the real key is when you get the other side reacting to you. We went and said, we want the wheelchair. And they said, well, we got Braille on some of the... uh, walls, part of these big murals. And we said, that's not a wheelchair. We want him in a wheelchair. They said, we got him on a chair that has wheels. It's an office desk chair. We we said, why are you hiding his disability? They said, oh, we're not. We've got a chronology that lists key dates in his life it turns out that the the chronology is literally hidden behind a tree and they put it on the risers of a staircase. You know, as you go up a flight of stairs, the part that's looking at... Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. Each time, that just ticked people off. It just ticked people off. And then I had my own deep throat experience. We we had had a meeting at the Parks headquarters. It hadn't gone well. We were ticked. So everybody's standing around outside, and they're trying to be polite and genial. And somebody walks by me, grabs my hand, has a piece of paper, in it and keeps on walk- and says, "Call me." Walked away. I called him up, and this person said, "You're right. I got a sister in a wheelchair. How can I help?" The thing we we wanted to know was where was the statue of him in an office chair with this little dinky wheel on it, right? Being built, so we could go visit the the foundry and have a little fun. So. He gave us the she gave us the name and phone number address of the foundry we this person also told us that in ten days they were going to do a big unveiling for the international um, art world so we said you know. We were going to create our own little demonstration, but since the, when you do a demonstration, there's always a problem with will the press come? And how do you build a crowd? So we said, well, they're going to do this on this day and have the press there. We'll just show up. Thanks to some great organizing by folks at the Independent Living Centers in, um, in New York State, press conference was was going to be 11.30. They were going to have a fancy champagne lunch and do the unveiling. About 120 people show up at 9 o'clock. Oh. They canceled the unveiling.
2: Canceled the unveiling.
3: And we get all this press. They're hiding FDR's disability. Come to find out that he's sitting in a chair. It's a regular desk chair, but FDR always wore a boat cloak. It was part of his image. You can't see the one wheel to the chair unless you go totally behind the statue, get down on your hands and knees, and look underneath the statue so you can see the wheel from the back. Oh... We got a picture of that. Boy, did people get angry. And um, the great thing about the action at the foundry was it lent credibility to our threat. We were going to protest the dedication of the statue when every member of Congress was going to be there. People from around the world, two days before, they called and said, we'll give you the statue. Don't protest.
2: The statue, the correct statue.
3: The statue of him in a wheelchair.
2: Right. Oh, what a story. What a story. But we have a lot more because I have such an exciting guest today with having Jim Dixon on the show we're going to be right back with Jim. You're listening to Joyce Bender on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. I took it so
5: high, so low,
1: so low, the Powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S. and www.BenderOfCanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.BenderConsult.com.
4: To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000.
0: In the spirit of Have Couch, will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day, we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control, and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer.
1: The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
0: If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
2: Welcome back, and wow, what a story. We've been talking to Jim Dixon, and he is the Vice President for Government Affairs. For the American Association of People with Disabilities, www.aapd.com, the great cross-disability membership organization in this country. And before we went to break, Jim was talking about uh, the FDR statue and getting him in a wheelchair, which I I was telling Jim at the break, you know, I'm always saying on this show, I'm wondering why we can't get people employed. Why we have this attitude? No barrier. Here's this thing with this statue. Not even ten years ago, and they don't want to put him in a wheelchair. Why? Because they don't want him to be seen in the wheelchair. Jim, I think you had another story for us. Before. Well,
3: look, when they finally agreed we could have the statue, we then had another fight. You know, the, usually it's harder to get it implemented than it is to get the decision to do something, whether it's a law or, in this case, showing FDR in his wheelchair. We insisted that we wanted a life-size statue that we didn't want it up on a podium because we wanted people in wheelchairs to be able to come and take their picture. Right. And we wanted it to be so parents could stand behind the first president in a wheelchair and their own kid who could be the next president in a wheelchair. I was over at the statue the other day, uh, other day, and like happens every time, people come by and say, I didn't know he was in a wheelchair. I didn't know that. Did you? And then the best part was... Um, This family came by with with their grandmother, who was in a wheelchair. And when she saw it, she started laughing, and she wheeled over beside the statue, and she made everybody in her family take a picture of her sitting beside FDR in a wheelchair.
2: Isn't that something? And isn't that also amazing how you're saying so many people did not know. Yep. Wow. Well, Jim, for all the organizing you did, thank you. What a great thing you did. Thank you so much.
3: It was a lot of people. A lot of people worked very hard. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time.
2: Well, you know, as a woman with a disability, you were saying about symbols. Jim, what greater symbol could there be than showing the President of the United States as a person with a disability, a visible disability, and significant disability, and yet one of the greatest commander-in-chiefs of all time?
3: Yep. He wouldn't have, you know, he's famous, FDR is famous for saying, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That wasn't a lesson about war or about the depression. That was something he'd learned when he became paralyzed. Mm -hmm. Because we've all learned that. You got a disability, you're going to get depressed, you're going to be afraid. You just got to work your way through it and realize, you know, there's really no difference. And you can do anything you want to. If you got a disability, you just have. To, maybe you do it a little different. Maybe it takes a little longer. But anything you want to do with a disability, you can. And and, get... and,
2: and as a woman with uh, disabilities, I agree with you, one hundred percent. And and I just think that is such a great story. Hopefully, we can get this out to a lot of. Uh, even high school students with disabilities, because I just think that's such a great story.
3: One of the daydreams I have is that we'll get permission to use a statuette of the statue, FDR in a wheelchair, and when disability groups are giving out placards or awards to people, wouldn't it be great if they were all on this little, you know, desktop, statue of roosevelt in his wheelchair and then had a placard on it that said you know to joy spender for all the great work she does
2: well you know if we could get a if we get that that statue jim thank you for the compliment but i'd be giving one to you first in line so jim you are also i want to talk about voting voting, voting, voting. You are, in my opinion, an expert and leader in this country in reference to accessible voting uh, for Americans with disabilities and have already done so much even before you joined AAPD. But first, before we start, can you explain to our listeners what HAVA, the Help America Vote Act, what that is?
3: Well, it's It's an historic piece of legislation. It's Congress's reaction to the 2000 Florida presidential debacle. Part of the law requires that every polling place be accessible so folks can get in wheelchairs, and it requires that in the polling place there be a device that allows people with disabilities, and I'm quoting to vote in the same time and manner as everyone else, to be able to vote privately and independently. The secret ballot is one of the things that makes this country great. And many of us with disabilities have always had to have somebody know how we wanted to vote. And as of right now, About 40% of the country has a machine in it so that a blind person can put earphones on and hear the ballot. A quadriplegic can use a sip-and-puff switch or um, some kind of dual switch. Somebody who only uses a mouth pointer can put the stick in their mouth and touch the screen. Vote secretly, just like everybody else. A great leader who helped in this whole fight, a guy named Clyde Terry out of New Hampshire, he was by this morning to say that they now have 90% of the polling places in New Hampshire are wheelchair accessible. And um, 12 years ago, it was less than a third were wheelchair accessible.
2: Wow. Less than a third.
3: Less than a third.
2: Oh, that's so terrible. You know, you're listening to the show right now, but think about this. If you're in a wheelchair, or if you're a person who's blind or becomes blind, would you be like to be in a situation where you cannot vote? Think about that. What was this country built on? What was this country built on? You know, when you read that book, 1776, and you see... How, at that time, you know, George Washington, and, you know, when he was general, and all of these people fought for this country, and what they went through to gain freedom, it was to be freedom for all, not freedom for some, but freedom for all. Jim, I have a maybe foolish question to ask you here, but when is this supposed to be done
3: by? um, January 1st this year.
2: Okay, so my next question, this is probably the foolish question. If that's supposed to be implemented for January 1st this year, how is it that at the beginning you said 40% of the country?
3: It's always harder to enforce a law and get it enforced right than it is to pass it. Um, Fortunately, the Justice Department brought suit in New York State, which had the worst record in the country, there are um, other disability groups filing suit. Um, AAPD is going to be filing a suit. I don't want to talk in too much detail, but very shortly. Basically, you got to say, this is my right, and you got to go out and get the law enforced. Um, and now we can do that, and the lawyers who take the cases on are going to win, and they're going to collect fees and reasonable costs. So, and that's one of the reasons why we've gotten some very, very top-notch law firms to take the case on, because they know they're going to get reimbursed.
2: Because I just can't understand why, you know, people don't care about this. That That is just amazing to me, that, you know, yeah. that that it is not higher you know, on their radar screen. But I I do want to ask you a few questions about voting, Jim. What percentage of Americans with disabilities actually vote?
3: Well, let's take the high watermark and say in a presidential election, it's about 25%. That's all. That's
2: the high watermark.
3: In a presidential election.
2: Oh, my goodness.
3: In a primary, which is more important in many ways than the general election, it'll be 5%, maybe occasionally 10 Primaries, candidates, the primary for the candidate is the dress rehearsal. In running for the primary, that's where the candidate decides what they're going to talk about. The reason candidates don't discuss disability is they don't see us as a voting block. There are more voting age Americans with disabilities than there are African Americans. They vote, we don't. Their issues get talked about, ours don't. So we have got to not only as individuals register and vote every time, but we got to get our organizations, our clubs, our friends and family registered in voting.
2: All right, well, we're going to come right back, and I have a question here for Jim from a caller. You're listening to Joyce Bender, and we're talking to Jim Dixon, the Vice President for Government Affairs for the American Association of People with Disabilities, and we'll be right back.
0: their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S. and www.BenderOfCanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.BenderConsult.com.
4: To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1 800 332 1000.
1: Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com. If
0: you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy
1: Spender.
2: And welcome back to the show. We're talking to Jim Dixon, the Vice President for Government Affairs at the American Association of People with Disabilities, www.aapd.com. If you aren't a member, you need to be. It is a tremendous organization that I am honored to be affiliated with. And before we go to our caller, I just want to mention to you that Jim will be back on again later this year, a few months from now, because it's so important what we're talking about. And with that, we have a caller on the line. Joan?
5: Hi, Joyce. Hi, Jim. Hey, Joan. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, Joyce. Hi, Jim. It's Joan Stein from Pittsburgh. Jim, you're you're singing my song, Voting. Thank you. Polling site access. You know, so much, there's so much attention being paid right now to the machines and to the accessible machines. Yet, I continue to try to emphasize to people as an ADA con- consultant that, and as the Department of Justice has pointed out to secretaries of state across the country and to election officials, is that An accessible voting machine does no one any good if you can't get into the polling site.
3: That's right. That's right.
5: And too often in all the years that I've been doing this, people simply don't understand the issues of physical limitation, of the barriers in the physical site. You know, they say, oh, we only have two steps to get in.
3: Yeah. I mean, basically it's time to get tough. Yes. Yes. Um you know, some things that people can do. Election day is a day when the media are looking for news because not much is happening. Most Mm -hmm. of the country's out voting. Mm -hmm. You if you if if you live and vote in a at an inaccessible place, take the press with you to get a nice story about how you know Joan can't get into her own polling place.
5: Yeah it, it it's it's very unfortunate because you know when when you talk you know the numbers are so astounding when you say that only 25% of people with disabilities of voting age vote in a national election and only 5% in a primary that's that to me is as heartbreaking as the unemployment numbers because that's our freedom too
3: yeah well we can turn this around we we have developed some systems, our colleagues in Missouri increased the turnout of people with disabilities in that state by 11% in 2004.
5: Wow. This isn't a
3: made-up number. It takes too long to explain, but we've got hard proof.
5: Wow. Wow.
2: Well, I just want to say one thing. Joan, I thank you for calling in, but I want to mention that Joan is the CEO of ADA, Inc., if anyone is listening to this show, and if you do need help or access training in this area, this is the person for you to be talking to. That's why, Joan, I really appreciate you calling oh, in. Thank you, Joan. Joan. What is your website? Our website is
5: www.adaconsults.com. dot Okay, then adaconsults. dot com, com. or reach us at four one two. Four seven one four one five six. Would you repeat that, please? Four one two four seven one four one five six. All right, Joan. Thank you so much for Thank you, Joyce. In. Good luck, Jim. Keep the work good. To keep the good work up.
3: Thank
2: you. Bye bye. Yeah, Jim. I'm with Joan. That this is really discouraging to me. Um, although I'm a believer, we can make change, and we all need to work together. So you've already given some advice to people in their local communities on what they can do to increase getting people with disabilities registered. Well, now wait, How, what can we do to get them registered to vote?
3: Well, that's part of the problem. Almost half of us aren't even registered. Basically, you, you got to ask people to register and vote. You got to you got to have voter registration forms with you, and when you see somebody, you got to talk to them, and get them to fill out the registration form right there and then, and then you turn it in. If you give people, let people take them home, most people aren't going to do it.
2: And And how how many of these applications are
3: you able to get? It it varies from uh, community to community, but getting enough applications should not be a problem.
2: Because that is one tremendous idea. You know, you can speak about this in your community. You know, for example, the Epilepsy Foundation or uh, Independent Living Centers. You know, maybe have a, a, you know, I'm on the board of the Central Blood Bank and we have drives, but you can have drives for voting registration also. Yep. Because we need to get people registered to vote. Listen to Jim's words, because I just want to say What is that? What would you think that number is, Jim, of people with disabilities, voting age, who could vote?
3: Thirty-seven and a
2: half million. Oh, thirty-seven and a half million. Do you understand? If we just got a portion of that, believe me, every presidential candidate would be talking about disability and what they're going to do to create laws so that companies would be hiring people with disabilities and making everything accessible, and transportation would be taken care of, and housing.
3: We you know, need
2: to work together.
3: The, it's interesting that the African-American community fought for the right to vote, and what they got with it were a lot of jobs and the creation of a middle class. Women fought for the right to vote, and they you know, it got it in 1920, and it took until the 60s, but women got jobs. I don't think we're going to solve the employment problem until we're seen as a voting block. That's just the way this country works.
2: Very interesting. Jim, I have a question to you, and it is from a former guest of ours on the radio show, and that would be Peter Squire, who said, What, Jim, is AAPD doing to bring youth into leadership positions in programs that involve them or in voting projects?
3: Um, Well, we do a we do a number of things. We we bring intern. We we have paid internships for people who want to work on Capitol Hill uh, during the summer. It's a competitive process. People can go to our website and apply. It's too late for this summer. Um, We involve in in all our voting work. We involve young people. As part of the leadership team. In fact, in our Rhode Island work, um, you know, the 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 primary spokesman is a young man with um, learning and psychiatric disabilities. You know, know, John's probably twenty five years old. Um, We also go on to schools and college campuses. Show people the machines how to re- how to use them. Get them registered. We got going. We we have going operations in uh, nine nine states and more in the pipeline. And if a young person wanted to get involved in you know Tennessee or Wisconsin, we could plug them in in a heartbeat.
2: Oh, that, well that is awesome and I, I know that AAPD is big on youth, but that's an excellent question because Peter, we need people like you who want to do something. We need more young people with disabilities out there fighting for us, doing something like helping us getting people registered to vote. Jim, you have accomplished so much in your life already. So I know I ask all, all of our guests this. This is going to be hard to answer, but what are you the proudest of at this time?
3: I'm, I'm proudest of AAPD because it's an organization that says we're about just two things, increasing the political power and the economic power of people with disabilities. And we can't confuse the world as it is with the world as we would like it to be. In this world, in this country, there are only two things that matter, and that's being a voting block and having the power that comes with money. Mm-hmm. And And let me
2: just tell you that I'm not surprised to hear Jim say that because one of my proudest days is when I became a board member. And I, I want to tell you about AAPD. It is just such a fantastic organization, but if you aren't a member, you should be. www.aapd.com, led by Andy Imperato, a true champion for all people with disabilities. Well, Jim, a question I also ask all of our guests, in closing, is what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Um,
3: I think the most important message is people take you the way you take yourself. And that all of us need to not only register and vote ourselves, but we need to organize in our own community so that all the service providers are getting people to the polls.
2: Yes, and Jim and I will be working on that, but everyone listening right now, you can't imagine how important it is to get people registered to vote.
3: All politics is local.
2: That's right right in your own community. And if you want to read more about anything in reference to this, once again, www.aapd.com. And in closing, first of all, Jim, thank you so much for being our guest today.
3: It's been a pleasure, Joyce.
2: And, Jim, I end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader that impacted people with disabilities. And today it could be no one else other than Justin Dart. Get into politics as if your life depends upon it because it does. Said the late and very great Justin Dart. Thank you very much, all of you listeners. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. This is Joyce Bender on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com